It's Joe Lowry. Welcome to another episode of the Global Lithium Podcast. My guest today is Galaxy Resources CEO, Simon Hay. We discuss Galaxy's three resource assets and the status of each. Been more of the time focused on what's Galaxy terms as their flagship asset, Sol de Vida, in Catamarca Province, Argentina. Although Simon and I have spoken before, given COVID-related travel restrictions, we are yet to meet face-to-face, and hopefully we uh, are able to do that in the coming year. So without further ado, Simon Hay. You're listening to the Global Lithium Podcast. Simon Hay, welcome to the Global Lithium Podcast. Glad to be with you today. As is our normal course of action, we will ask you to give us a little background on yourself. Sure, Joe. Um, born and raised in Melbourne, Australia. I went to the University of Melbourne, studied a uh, science degree, majoring in chemistry, and then did a master's in metallurgy. Worked in, straight into the uh, minerals processing industry in Australia. Had about 15 years or so working in major industrial complexes, smelters, refineries, mines. And then um, probably most relevantly for lithium, branched out and moved into, um, that. sorry, that was all in uh, base metals. Then I moved into mineral sands with the Luca Resources. Had an interesting career there, 10 years with them, five years marketing in China. So similar to you, a bit of a similar background to you, marketing to China and Asia and then globally with zircon and titanium minerals. And then I had three years with them developing projects internationally. So we had uh, built some concentrators and mines in Sierra Leone, South Australia, Western Australia, and also ran some uh, feasibility studies in in unusual countries like Sri Lanka and Brazil. And then, yeah, now with Galaxy for uh, a bit over a year and a half. Well, you entered the lithium industry. It probably about the worst possible moment in my 30 years in the business. And you you came at a very challenging time. What attracted you to the opportunity? Uh, I think there there was a number of things. One, first of all, the quality of the assets that we're currently developing. So James Bay and Saldivita did a bit of research on them and could really tell that they were top-class assets. Secondly, the lithium industry, having worked in mineral sands where... You know, a good year is 3% growth. Um, you know, coming into the lithium, I know there's always going to be ups and downs, but the long term, I think, was assured for that industry. So that really appealed. And also, um, you know, the quality of um, the management with, with Galaxy. Um, you know, Martin Rowley, the chairman, has a, a great track record in developing a, a very large company called First Quantum. So that were the main attractions, I think. Well, for what would be called a junior mining company, you have an unusual portfolio of assets. If you talk to most juniors, they are trying to bring one asset into production and you have three, one, one producing and two that are at different stages of development. So let's go through your asset base, starting with what's closest to you in Ravensthorpe. And give me some perspective on that. You've just announced a record quarter, but given how soft concentrate prices have been, it's been tough. Take us through where you see that asset and then what you see for the next couple of years. It's a 
a stable and mature asset is the way I'd look at um, Mount Catman. You know, we're not going through a, a ramp up or a commissioning exercise. We've been operating now for four years, second time around. What's most exciting for us in 2021 is going back to full rate. So as you touched on, we had a record quarter for sales in Q4 2020. Um, that cleared a lot of inventory. And looking forward, our customers and their order books looked very solid. Um, you know that asset is, uh, the offtake is fully contracted for life of mine on a volume basis. And those customers have expressed that this year they want to take their full offtake. We'll continue to sell on a spot pricing pricing basis this year because we think the price has further to run. So with that really solid demand outlook from our customers and improving prices and inventory back down to more normal levels, we've uh, taken the, the decision to ramp production. So we're, we're currently doing that right now. By, by Q2, we'll be back at full rate. So yeah, it looks, looks like a very different year this year to last year. From a price perspective, my expectation, not that it matters, is that price is headed not to where Galaxy was when the price went crazy. But in 2021, I would think you're going to have uh, a price that's certainly in the mid fives, maybe touches six. I'm not asking you to estimate price, but what is your perspective based on what you're hearing? Because I'm actually moving some lithium chemicals out of China. And right now, they aren't that easy to get. Despite all the rhetoric six months ago about these massive inventories, they pretty much on the chemical side seem to have disappeared. Yeah, look, and from our channel checks on the spodumene inventory, we, we would say the same thing, that, that you know, we were hearing numbers of six, six months of supply last year. This year, it's more like two to three months. So quite low and, and patchy. Some, some of the majors have large inventory and they've maintained that. Those that are unaligned converters, unaligned or not integrated further upstream, they are probably quite vulnerable. So I think those sorts of numbers that you talked about for spodumene pricing are, are not unrealistic. Because we're talking on a spot basis, we are, or selling on a spot basis, we're only we're sort of talking shipment to shipment with our customers. But, you know, we came out with some public numbers a few weeks ago where we achieved uh, $480 per tonne SIF for the most recent contract. Um, and that's significantly above where, where last year finished. So, you know, in a short space of time, that price has moved a lot. So that the trajectory is really solid. I won't speculate too much going forward, but, you know, as I said, those numbers could turn out to be right. I think 2021 is probably on the chemical side, the hardest year to call since I've been in the business because I have literally seen selling containers week to week to week in January and early February, the price go up each container. And then there's the whole, what's the Chinese new year effect. And there's a lot of uncertainty. I literally tried to get some pricing for mid year and was told, we're not going to do that until April because nobody wants to go long when the price is jumping. And that's pretty common in China. So I think from a price perspective, you have to feel better than you did 12 months ago. So, okay, Mount Catlin is a mature asset, but it's not, as you 
characterizing your presentations. It's not the the flagship asset you have. Let's move on to the flagship because it probably requires more discussion time. Saul Davida, I think it would be fair to say, has had a lot of expectation for several years, long before you were at the helm. In fairness, and I I got a lot of, when I I said on social media, I was going to have you on the podcast, a lot of people sent me questions. And for the most part, I'm going to stay away from those questions because they were more statements than questions. But I think it's fair to say that there's been a huge expectation and it's been slow going. You got the job, you've changed the plan. Let's talk about the new plan and how that fits in the changing market we're seeing. Yeah, lots to cover here with Saldivita. So the new plan, if you go back 18 months, a bit longer when I started, as you know, the industry was in a very different situation to where it is now. You know, companies which had half billion dollar brine projects, you know, they were looking a little bit vulnerable. Galaxy obviously can't fund a half billion dollar project off its balance sheet. So and, and the other thing we looked at was the fundamental chemistry. The flow sheet that we had was a conventional evaporation flow sheet. So it had hot ashes as a byproduct. And we, we tried to strip things down across the project from a de-risking point of view. So de-risk the capital, so go to a smaller scale initially. De-risk the flow sheet, take out potash, a little bit of a dis- distraction for us. Let's just focus on lithium. And in doing so, we, um, you know, we've got a very smart processing team. They came up with a new flow sheet, which has we, we think is unique. And it's taken us a bit of time to, to engineer that, to prove it up. Once we adopted that um, late 2019, we then commissioned Warley to do the engineering for us. So we essentially had to not go back to the beginning, but we did have to restart engineering. So, yes, a necessary pause. It, had, it definitely added time to uh, the development timeframe. But um, since then, since we've launched that new strategy, we've really kept on schedule other than COVID. Engineering's coming to a conclusion. We're spending on the project. We built the pilot plant, built the ponds, the test ponds. We've expanded the camp. We're expanding it again at the moment. We're just just about to um, sign another expansion. And we're drilling the production wells. So, um, you know, the project has, has advanced and, look, I make no apologies for the, for the new strategy that we've put in place. Our investors, our shareholders have supported it and, you know, I think it's a, a flow sheet and, a, and it's a capital size that befits a company the size of Galaxy. So, yeah, that's, that's the strategy. That's where we are and we're, and we're moving, you know, quite, quite positively and promptly, even despite COVID. Let me ask you about the doing it off your balance sheet, because typically a junior company trying to build a big asset either looks for a big offtake with advanced payment or a partnership or some other way to to secure financing. And and at one point, Galaxy was was doing all those things, looking for a partner. That didn't happen. Do you see that as now a positive or just the way it is? Oh, look, I see it as very much a positive for a number of reasons. I mean, if you look at the uniqueness of Galaxy, we own those two development assets, but we own them 100% outright. So we're not beholden to a larger partner or an offtake partner at this stage. That gives us tremendous flexibility going forward as the industry is, is just growing so strongly. 
So I don't think it's a, it's a weakness. Secondly, if we did a deal 12, 18 months ago, the valuation I think would have been a fair bit lower because of product pricing and just where the industry was situated at the time. So doing a deal in the next six to 12 months, we should be able to achieve uh, a better financial outcome for our shareholders. Yeah, I think it's going to work out uh, really well for us. And just on Saldivita, I'll just expand a little bit. We, when we come out with the project update in April, so when we complete the engineering, we complete the cost estimates, we will come out to the market um, in a couple of months' time with a full project description, scale the product, etc. Um, and financials. At that time, we will reconsider, do we now you know, throw open a, um, a partnering exercise? The people we have been speaking to uh, over the last year remain very interested. We've had more, more companies come and knock on the door over the last few months. So that the attractiveness, the, the reputation of Saldivita is, is still very positive in the industry. Well, you've got several things now that I would say are tailwinds. And one being the market, two is the resurgence of lithium iron phosphate as a cathode and an end to the rhetoric that hydroxide was going to take over the lithium world, or at least uh, those with common sense have, have stopped the rhetoric. So I'd like to ask two questions. And, and the first one is you and I, the only time we've ever had a, a fairly significant conversation was a few months ago, and you explained primary grade thinking. Where does this stand now? You're, you're going to do primary grade first, but it's going to be at, at what capacity? And then your next development is to what increment of capacity? And then I'll, I'll get to the second part of that question. It, yeah, it does need some explanation. It, it can be a little bit tricky, so I'm glad we're covering it. Our processing development uh, test work has, has been quite successful. Some of the uh, numbers that we re- released recently showed that we were producing, we did produce from the pilot plant lithium carbonate at 99.9% purity. And the impurities that were remaining still were still too high to be qualified as battery grade. So, but we're very close and we've, we've sequentially stepped it up from low 99s to mid to high. So that's really positive. Now, we don't want to slow down the development of stage one. So we have locked the flow sheet and we are building the project, or we, we're designing the project, not building it yet, but we're, we're designing the project under the assumption that it will be a high-end technical-grade product, so a 99.5 plus. However, at the same time, that R&D test program is continuing this year, and that program, if it's successful, and the objective is that we get to battery grade, if it's successful, we intend to modify the design to stage one through bolt-on technology at the end. So you don't want to, we don't want to change the flow sheet. We just want to add some extra processing capability at the end, not the bicarbonation purification step. Build the pro- design and build the project now without slowing it down. We do want to bring it to market as quickly as possible, but keep the R&D work going. If it's successful, retrofit it seamlessly into stage one. Uh, if we need more time, we'll retrofit it into stage two. Now, the stages, stage one, purification, Evaporation, sorry, not purification, the evaporation process at Saldivita. We will come out with the the scale in April. So it's you know we have we haven't guided yet, but it'll be roughly a third to a half of the number that we were talking about previously. Our previous uh, feasibility study had twenty five thousand tons. So it's going to be 
between 8 and 12. Our intention is then, after we commission that, that we will double the capacity. So just expand it like for like, side by side, and get back up to that feasibility study level of 25,000 or thereabouts. And then further expansions are certainly possible on the Solar. You want to talk about downstream or I'll throw it back to you? The situation in the markets really changed a bit in that when you first talked about we're going to make primary grade, the knee-jerk reaction was you're Oracobre too. And that really wasn't seen in a positive light. However, now if I look at it, I see an emerging battery supply chain building in Europe and buying any grade of carbonate to convert to hydroxide for them makes perfect sense. Because in talking to a cross-section of people looking at projects, they don't really want to deal with tailings in some of those countries. They would rather take chemical to chemical conversion. So when I was a bit critical of the whole idea 12 months ago, now we're seeing changes that they could make either one of your strategies reasonable. That is make primary grade for a while or industrial, whatever grade you want to call it, non-battery grade and and make a deal in Europe and, and participate in that value. And again, I'm not saying you have any intention of doing this. It's a long question that sounds like a statement. Or if you if if your research work works as you hope, and maybe you just go to battery grade and then you don't have to worry about it. But if we look at the conventional thinking when you first came out with that idea, it was more like look, unless there's a shortage, primary grade sells for the lowest price out there. And Oracobre and when SQM has some issues, we've seen that in China. So how are you thinking about the changing world and the degrees of freedom you have to move that project forward? Sorry for the long question. No, no, that's that's fine, Jonah. I think um, the options open to Galaxy are, are enormous. First of all, if you think of the regions that Saldivita can supply, it's Asia, North America, Europe. It's, we, have, we have all those options. We can send product out through the Port of Rosario or Buenos Aires almost at the same cost as getting it through Chile. So that's, and that opens up Europe readily, it opens up North America, the east coast of North America. So that's really positive. Your, your question on do we produce a, a technical grade or a battery grade, I think Galaxy certainly harbours ambition to go downstream. So we... We certainly, uh, either alone or in partnership, probably partnership to start with, but um, I wouldn't rule out either. So that is now open to us. We have many customers coming to us saying they're interested in the product. We offtake for stage one, be it technical grade, our current assumption. That doesn't bother me at the moment. We, we've had probably 10 customers who've approached us. A number of them have said they would take the entire product from stage one. Now, remember, it's it's two years away till we really ramped up. First production end of next year, but but uh, ramping up in 2023. And the lithium demand is probably going to double between now and then. So we think there'll be room for 10,000 tonnes for us to place that easily. So, <laughs> hey, I, I'll raise my hand and say, I could contract 12,000 tonnes if that's your high end today. And you wouldn't be unhappy with the price. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's what we're, we're seeing. So, look, um, 
all those options are open and we will examine a lot of that this year. We started all the discussions with the customers, first of all, the purification customers in China, the beginning of last year, and they were very interested in the product. You know, they're expanding their businesses as well. They see, you know, Oracobre may be leaving that market as the TTC joint venture starts, but there's other, you know, SQM's a reliable supplier into that industry and Galaxy was viewed as another alternative supplier that's coming on into that industry. So purification discussions went really well. Then when we got towards high end of technical grade and we started discussions with other customers, they were similarly excited about what we were planning to bring to the market. So off take a lot of options. Um, It'll play out probably more throughout this year. If you look at the market being... 325,000 in 2020. I, I don't have a final number yet, but that's a round number. And that's better than a lot of us thought when when COVID started. But if you look at it going up 70 to 80,000 tons this year and over 100,000 tons next year, the ability of the industry to respond to that isn't great. What you're going to have happen, in my opinion, is you're going to enter with a strong price, but you're not going to have the problem where a Cobra had that that market fell flat 12 months after you started and they went from over 10,000 to almost 3,000 in a two-year time frame. Timing's going to be good to you. A lot of people were angry because last time Galaxy missed the good market and people felt that was waffling. But honestly, if you wanted to go alone, you didn't have the balance sheet to execute at the time. And and I was in some of those meetings. So yeah, I think I think this is more about execution. So let's let's talk about that. I think if you do execute, Sal David is a happy story. Let's talk about the challenges now. You're sitting in Perth. <laughs> Your project is, I'm not sure how many hours it takes you to get there, fly to New Zealand and then fly to Chile. I don't know, but it's, it's a long way. You're operating, I guess, I mean, have you even been to Argentina? Yeah, yeah, I've... Um... I've been uh, three times. I got out or four. Um, my last trip was February last year. So okay. I got back. Okay. That, that's, yeah. That's, so you, you went several times right after you took the job. But it's, that's right. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I was last in Argentina about the same time you were. You can get in, but, well, I don't think you, I don't know. Can you even get out? No, look, we, um, we haven't sent anyone since uh, February, March. Uh, we had uh, a couple of people who came back just after I did. So, um, and but it was they had to go into quarantine. One of them. So yeah, it is it is difficult. What's in our favour is we've recruited a, a pretty strong Argentinian team. Our, our general manager has a lot of experience in country. He's, we don't have any expats. We've got around a, a staff around seventy five at the moment, and that team has kept the project on schedule after the initial COVID. Um, outbreak. So everything sort of shut down April, May. Then there was a limited resumption in mining and then full resumption. So since then, the project is kept on track. Engineering's been done by Wally in Chile and in Argentina. And of course, the Australians, you know, we've got Zoom fatigue like anyone. It's morning and night for both the Argentinian team and our team. So it is difficult, but we've maintained schedule um, ever since, you know, we came out with that. Uh, well, ever since COVID broke out. Um, I'll move on to execution risk. Or I'll, 
Yeah, no, that's fine. So execution side, what, what this year hold for us? As I said, we're drilling the production wells. We've completed the first one. Uh, looks really good. We're drilling the second one now. And we'll come out with a resource and reserve update uh, probably in a couple of months as well when we take some of that information and, and update our models. So drilling is progressing well. Once we complete the engineering, we intend to move into pond construction. That will be the key focus area this year. First of all, we're upgrading the plant, the accommodation camp to 220-odd capacity, and that will enable us to get construction, pond construction underway. We anticipate that starting mid this year and uh, first string of ponds ready by the end of the year to fill with brine. So that's the, that's the critical path, build the ponds, fill it with brine and get some of that evaporation happening. And then next year we move into constructing the plant. And by then, hopefully vaccinations have kicked in. We can get more and more people to site. We can get the specialists, we can get the specialist construction companies to site as well and the, and the OEMs. Again, timing may be in our favour. You know, building, we saw some of our peers who are building projects in Argentina right at the moment have had major delays due to COVID. But we're we don't have so many people on site, so it's easier to manage right at the moment. Well, how about your longer lead time capital equipment? Has that been ordered? You know, there, there have been issues in the past with getting things through customs and, and so on and so forth. So a little bit about that and your relationship with Argentina, given the, the current difficult situation the country's in beyond COVID, and then a little bit about your local relationships in Kenamarca, which have been strained prior to your joining the company? Um, no, long lead items yet to be procured. Um, so design is just in the, in the tail end. So once that is complete, then we'll look to move towards long lead items. Our current estimates are that the constructing the plant next year and commissioning towards you know, Q3, Q4 next year, uh, we have time. To, uh, to place these orders and, and get the equipment uh, built. It, it doesn't seem super critical or bespoke, some of the equipment, you know, tanks, pumps. The crystallizers will be relatively not off the shelf, but not novel technology. So, yeah, again, it seems to be in hand. But, yes, it's, it's difficult circumstances economically in, in Argentina. We're certainly not shying away from that. In talking with a lot of industry and business people, in Argentina, I think the common theme is, yes, it's a difficult situation, but they've lived through many crises, as you well know with your, your long history in the, in the country. They find a way, and that's what I think Galaxy needs to do. Um, you know, it's a 40-year mine life. We need to operate in all economic circumstances. We need to operate. Over that time period, there'll be many changes of government, so we need to maintain relationships with with all parties yeah I, I think that that will be our approach our current relationship with Catamarca appears quite solid you know Governor Halil I've met him a couple of times uh, haven't yet met the new mines minister Avila but our general manager Guillermo Carlo has has met both of them on numerous occasions they're in contact on a weekly basis the way I would describe the relationship is very professional they understand where we're coming from, I think they, they're very supportive. They want the project built because any, any country undergoing the circumstance that uh, Argentina has wants 
employment, they want investment. And that's definitely what Saldivita brings. Well, I think you're absolutely right. Once you start spending money in the province and employing people, that's that's the key point. You also did a very a very smart thing by hiring my friends, the Uja sisters. Uh, shout out to Inez and Anna. And uh, it's good to have uh, well-grounded uh, local people. I think you have two two good ones there. Absolutely. I agree with you there, Joe. Um, just on our, our social setting as well, we've, we've certainly invested early. Um, you know, we're um, upgrading a couple of schools. We're about to build a clinic. Um, we've completed a social baseline study in the last few months, and the results from that were really positive. The feedback we've received from the community is very supportive of, of Galaxy. You know, surprised us on the upside, really, how, how positive the, the views were. You know, it's not 100%, of course, but uh, generally, you know, far more pluses than minuses. So, you know, we're, we're off to a good start, but a lot of work in front of us. But I, I think at the end of the day, that province is pragmatic. And as you said, uh, they're having a professional relationship with you and they just, they just want to get on with it. So that, that would be my, my perspective anyway. So let's move to James Bay for a, a little bit. Just check in as to where you are there yeah. and how you, how you view development of that asset. Yeah, that one I'd, I think is really the change between early 2020 and late 2020 was remarkable. You know, you, know, you saw what's happened in the U.S. with the Biden administration the general support for environmental programs. I think that's a, a really good tailwind for, um, for James Bay, plus Tesla, of course, and their, um, their move to localise their material supply. I think they're really great drivers for catalysts for the development of James Bay. So we are, where we're at with the, the project right now is we are completing the preliminary engineering assessment economic assessment, sorry, which is tying together all the previous studies, all the previous work, and it provides a basis uh, for development for the project. Similar to Salda Vida, we're going to come and announce that next month, so a month earlier, a month before Salda Vida, but in March we will announce what the project looks like, scale, approximate cost, and timeframe schedule. So that's pretty exciting for us. From then, for the rest of the year, we will be moving directly into preliminary and basic engineering. So we want to get the project to construction-ready status by the end of the year. Now, in parallel with this, as you well know, you need an outlet for the product. And there's no converter available at the moment that could take all the product. It's no use building the mine and concentrator unless we have an offtake. So... Our plans are there in parallel to the engineering that we that we talk with and engage with potential conversion facilities in North America and in Europe. So there's a number that we're in discussions with already. And our plan is this year that we advance one or two of those to a more detailed level of agreement, you know, a letter of intent or, or something like that by the end of the year. Well, given Quebec's up till now checkered record in lithium and it's it's amazing that they still have such a strong desire to get built out a complete battery supply chains yeah i mean i don't think you're gonna have if you can develop james bay based on the time frame you can do it 
there isn't going to be a problem getting rid of the product. The question I have for you is, do you participate? Does it wind up being a hydroxide? You're talking about a Tesla world. That's except for a small amount of LFP at the present time. It's, it's, it's pretty much still a hydroxide cathode company. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's early days. I get that. But uh, certainly you must have had some thoughts about it. Yeah, I, I think it would probably end up going down the hydroxide path. And if you look at Galaxy from a portfolio perspective, Ryan going into carbonate, um, spodumene going into hydroxide, you know, I, I think we've, we've got a foot in both camps. We're really comfortable with that type of uh, positioning. The customers that we're talking to, the potential conversion facilities and, and further downstream, they are talking about hydroxide. So I think it's, it's more than likely it would end up in a hydroxide world. And we're, again, 100% ownership of this asset gives Galaxy enormous flexibility to, to choose our partners, to choose our offtake partners and downstream partners. So that'll all, again, play out this year. But the, the first thing was we have to show the market and these potential customers what James Bay mine and concentrator looks like, what the product's going to look like, what the capital costs, what the operating costs. So first things first, let's come out with that. And then let, let's show that, that industry what the project looks like. And sorry, but just before I throw it back to you, I think our experience at Mount Catlin is really going to stand us in good stead there. I think we'll have that upstream element, well-designed, optimised when we do bring it to market. You know, we, we have a little bit of an advantage over some of the other Quebec spodumene projects. Well, you know, without throwing stones too hard, I'd say, honestly, that's a pretty low bar uh, given the, the recent performance, but I, I understand what you're saying. I've been to all three of your assets. Both of my pictures actually on social media are Galaxy assets. My, my LinkedIn is uh, standing on the rock uh, uh, up in the, in the James Bay area. As long as, you don't go, as long as you don't go at a time of year when the mosquitoes can carry you off, uh, you'll be fine. I just want to go back for a second to Western Australia. And that's... Mm-hmm. Given price potential, as, as we spoke, it could be as high as six this year. In a panic mode, who knows what could happen. But what do you see this time? How do you view the behavior of your peers in terms of we've had some consolidation. We had Albemarle write a big check for an asset and then announce the same day they weren't going to operate it until the market warranted it. Do you believe that this time around, there will be more judicious behavior in terms of managing supply. I think one other point needs to be made, though. At, at the time when all the mines came on, EV penetration was less than 1%. And the two years after the mines started up, the whole market only grew 50,000 tons, and it'll grow 120,000 tons or more in the next two years. So it's it's a different scenario. But how do you feel about the statesmanship of the lithium producers in WA? Look, a lot more positive, Joe, for for a number of reasons. One is, if you look at all the current producers, ourselves, Pilbara, Minres, Greenbushes, they've all rationalised supply. So they're all currently exercising market discipline. Secondly, all balance sheets have been recapitalised. So no one is under interest pressure you know no one has to pay interest bills just to move a shipment and I think this is really important with Altura and Alita leaving the industry both those companies 
were distressed sellers in some ways. They had to sell. They were hand-to-mouth. So that changes the dynamic in the customer ranks as well. So I think those, those two things are really important. Thirdly, bringing new supply on is not going to be quick. You know, Altura, Pilbara can ramp up, Galaxy's ramping up. That's, you know, they're moderate tons that will come back into the, into the market. The, the new projects are a number of years away. So I think that the next short while will be okay. And then by the time any of those new projects come online, you know, the lithium demand will be there to, to soak that supply up. So I'm a lot more optimistic about WA Spodgerman and the structure of the industry now than 12, 18 months ago. I'm not sure if you know Chris Reed, but um, I'm, I'm an admirer of, of what Chris has done. And Chris asked me, I think, one of the wisest questions. He says, you know, everybody talks about a million tons of lithium demand by 2025, but nobody's worried about the second million tons. It's going to come a lot faster and probably in the four or five years after the five decades it took for demand to get to a million tons. I think when you when you look at that context, Western Australia is going to have more of a challenge to keep up than it is to have to manage the, the supply chain. I don't know how you feel about that, but it hasn't been easy. If you look at South America and you look at the Atacama, and people thought three years ago that 400,000 tons would be coming out in 2025, and now it looks more like 200,000 or 225 will be coming out in 2025. There's a lot of upside for hard rock, in my opinion, unless you're a, a believer in the sudden rise of geothermal. Uh, I think you're going to have plenty of demand for what you can produce, whether it be in WA or Quebec. But uh, again, sorry, that was a, more of a statement than a question. But let's just let me just ask you some general questions. You've been in the job for 18 months and change. What do you like most about this job? I, I like having uh, two great assets to develop. You know, our destiny is in our own hands, really. And I think Galaxy's, you know, in a unique position having 100% ownership. Um, the, the options, as we've already discussed, are quite enormous. So sorting through them, they're, they're all good pretty much, um, but choosing the best ones is really a fascinating part of the job. How we structure and position Galaxy now and develop the assets and position them into that value chain is, is fascinating. I really enjoy that, that part of the role. Of all the challenges you've had, what do you consider the biggest challenge to date? Bigger, biggest challenge has definitely been COVID, not being able to meet with our project teams face-to-face. Uh, you learn so much, you know, the water cooler conversations, the trips to site where you're in a car with someone for 12 hours. You know, those, those sorts of things you, you pick up so much that you don't pick up on a, on a one-hour Zoom call twice a week. That's, that's been the most difficult thing. I think the, the second one I'd say would be just the... The depths of the market trough surprised a lot of people in late 2019, early 2020. I think we handled it. I think we coped with it quite well. It was, it's just not pleasant. We would certainly prefer these types of um, market conditions to that. But you know, my experience in 30 years almost in the in the minerals industry, you have to be adaptable to peaks and troughs. You have to work through them both. And you know, it really guides us in in our thinking around both projects. We are determined to have lowest quartile cost operating and capital for both projects because they're always, but even with 
you know, 30, 40% uh, growth rates. You'll have imbalances in the supply chain. You know, looking, no prices ever just keep going up. There'll be ups and downs and you need to build a resilient project. And that's, that's why we've taken our time. We have great assets, but you know, we want to build really strong projects. And I think as you go down the battery quality road that you will see that it's not the 99.5 that matters. It's the, it's the 0.5 and what's in the 0.5. And lithium may become a commodity, but it's going to take at least another decade just because of the specialty nature, the lack of your, the cathode makers don't want everybody to know what they're doing. So been no standardization in terms of the product you came in at the worst possible time, but you're probably going to have 10 years of fun before. I think it's going to take a long time for the cycle to turn where there, there's going to be a massive oversupply of lithium because it's you guys know as well as anybody lithium may be everywhere but high quality low cost lithium is not everywhere exactly and and i think you talked about the, the difficulties in the regions of, of ramping up you know quebec hasn't had successes yet south america long-term producer um, but ramping up has been difficult you talked about the, the problems of Cobra. i think western australia brought product on really quickly it's probably the most responsive and you know, again in the future probably probably will be as pricing picks up but i think it's it's going to be a number of years before we see more you know multiple new entrants in, entering the market before i go to rapid fire i'll ask you one more question and then if there's anything you want to comment on that i didn't ask feel free what's one thing about what you're doing now that you just didn't anticipate at all besides covid <laughs> yeah um I don't have a good answer to that one, Joe, because um, my, my experience uh, that I talked about covered operations, project development and marketing. So I haven't really been surprised at anything. That, well, I think the scale of what's, you know, you talked about what Chris Reed said. I think the scale of that, that growth rate that the industry is facing is, to use a common word these days, unprecedented. I haven't worked in an industry with that growth in front of it and how the industry capitalizes well invests and then capitalizes on it is is you know it's going to be really important over the next few years so i think that's probably the getting in and seeing that and seeing how difficult it is to develop these assets is probably the the learning okay great is there anything i missed no i, I but i would like to summarize um the next quarter is really really exciting for galaxy with coming out with both James Bay and Saldivita uh, project details. I know our industry participants and shareholders have been anxious on this. I've been as anxious as anyone, but we are doing these, uh, these engineering phases professionally and solidly because, as I said, we want to build really uh, robust projects. So it's exciting for us. And then we move Saldivita further into construction. So we're... we're we're at the early stages of construction now, you know, with, with the ponds and the camp. So uh, this year we'll just roll that on further and, and build, the, build the ponds. So for me, um, that's all I'd add at this stage, but I think you've covered all the, all the key points around, the, around the, the company and we're well capitalised as well. So, you know, cash in the bank and able to yeah, see our, our plans. Congratulations on your last raise. It's, uh... It's been a good time for several lithium companies to uh, tap the markets, which 
is a little bit of a surprise. All right, so a couple rapid fire questions. Sure. Aside from the pain it caused you from a job perspective, what's the most significant personal lesson you've learned during COVID? React quickly. Yeah, these, these things are, are dynamic. The world changed overnight and you need to be really responsive. Okay. Think, and people, people and communities, you know, it wasn't just our own people we needed to think about. We were, because we're fly and fly out, we move in different, different circumstances, different regions. We had to be really careful of the, the people that were around us, the communities around us. What book or books have made the biggest impact on your life? Oh, um, impact uh, I, from a, a business perspective. No, good to from any from any perspective. Yeah, b- business. I think the one that leaps out at me is good to great. That was, you know, what Jim you know, Collins. Yeah, yeah. Jim Collins, absolutely. Um, and I saw a lot of parallels with some really good things in companies that I worked at previously. So that's that's the the business book that's had the biggest impact. Favorite movie. Um, uh, Silence of the Lambs. Okay. Wow. Okay. That that gives one pause. All right. Then the final question: If you could have dinner with anyone who has ever lived, we bring them back for you. Yeah. Who would it be, and why? Um. um maybe Nelson Mandela. I think. You know, the, having, having worked a fair bit in South Africa and the, the way the, the people there revere him and, and how he changed an entire country, um, you know, his leadership qualities, he, that'd probably be Nelson, yeah. Can't argue with that one. Good, good answers. Simon, thank you very much for your time. And we wish you and Galaxy the best. Oh, thanks very much, Joe. Thanks for the opportunity. And maybe we have a chat again later on after we um, reveal our project details uh, this quarter. So, um, yeah, let, let's do it again later. So there you have it. Galaxy continues to be a work in progress. And with the rapidly changing market conditions, uh, things look much better for them now uh, than they did uh, just a year ago. If you want to hear more about my experiences with Galaxy going back to the Iggy Tan days, I will be recording a solo podcast that will only be on the website, and I'll release that in the next few days. So you might want to look for that. And with that, I will say Happy New Year, Happy Chinese New Year. This is being recorded on Chinese New Year. So Xin Nian Kuala. And uh, I apologize for my scratchy voice. Uh, I recorded these last few comments after spending over three hours on Zoom calls this morning. So my voice is uh, a little shot. Thanks for listening.